This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey everyone, I'm Pauline from the blog GreatFinancialIndependence.com and when I'm not spending all my money biking around Europe, I'm stacking Benjamins in Guatemala. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and wow, summer's come quickly here in the basement. Not only does it smell like a sweatshop down here, we've turned up the discussions to super hot this week as we talk about farming. What money and life lessons can you learn from ditching your normal surroundings and heading to new surroundings? Helping us this week, we welcome back from the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, Andy Hill. And from Afford Anything, Paula Pant. And rounding out our trio from this podcast, OG. But that's not all. Ready to sell off some of that junk in the garage or want to round out your belongings for less money? We'll dive into our FinTech Friday segment this week by talking about new buy-sell site OfferUp with Natalie Angelilo. You think that's all? Ha! We'll still bring it up a notch by answering a bloom call for help, dish up some of my trivia, and more. And now, because this weekend won't start itself, Joe hi. No, they won't. They start right here in my mom's basement. Hey, everybody. I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And what a fun show we have for you today because coming to us much different than other Fridays, you never hear her on the show. It's Paula Pant of My Dead Shortwave. How are you? I've decided to show up because, you know, hey, it's Friday. What else would I be doing? There's nothing else to do. Yes. So how's life in the desert? Oh, it's fantastic. The weather is exactly perfect. Springtime in the desert is always, spring and fall are the best seasons here. Springtime in the desert. That sounds like a song. Like there's some. It does. It should be a song. Yes. And you know. in the canyon, springtime in the desert. How about springtime in the bunker? Because we've got Lane Penzo here. Every. That was a good transition. Every day is springtime in the bunker, Joe. It's always wonderful here. Springtime nice, in the bunker. Cool breeze from the uh, air filtration system coming through. I, I the, the HEPA filter. It is awesome here. That's fabulous. I can the smell, smell of, the smell of uh, instead of you know you've got the environmental smell of mold. Uh, uh, it's kind of a little bit of moldy. That green mold mm. gives you the gives you the outdoors effect. So you so you're never you, you always feel good. Every spring, fantastic time in the bunker. I've got one of those pictures on the wall. You ever see those people put the pictures of the wall? It looks it's a picture of a window with a fake scenery out there. That's what I have. That it's just it is awesome. Deer in the distance. 
Right. Exactly. Welcome Beautiful. to the, welcome to the Decorate Your Bunker podcast. I'm Joe Salci. <laughs> Hi. People are wondering what the hell are they talking about? The guy who's wondering why the hell he's here. Also on my dad shortwave, the dude from my hometown in Detroit, Michigan, Mr. Andy Hill. Thanks so much for having me again, Joe. It's an awesome uh, pleasure to be here. I'm so glad you could join us, man. So for the three people that don't know about your awesome podcast, give people a little glimpse into marriage, kids, and your money. Yeah. So uh, we get together about once a week and talk about those three topics uh, pretty in depth because I'm a married guy with kids and I really like money. So, <laughs> so I think I fit in well with you guys. But yeah, no, we get together about once a week and we have conversations about how young couples can uh, grow their wealth and build a, a family legacy. You know, a great way to build your wealth, Andy. I think you're going to tell me, and I think they're associated with the sponsorship of the show. <laughs> they, 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 very, very well might be. Grow your wealth $450 at a time by going to Magnify Money because the average person out there just walks into a bank and says, what do you got? When you find out that your savings account pays nothing, your checking account has a bunch of baloney fees, and that whole debt repayment strategy, you don't really have one. But if you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, you can solve all those issues with just one click of your mouse. And thanks to Harry's for supporting Stacking Benjamins. <laughs> I love my Harry's. Harry stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know switching razors isn't an easy decision. So they created a trial offer, claim years by going to harrys.com slash SB. So how about that? Aren't those some great ways to save money, Andy? I completely agree. Fant I love saving money. Fantastic. We're going to talk about bad jobs today, and we've got that in our headlines. So let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Our headline today comes to us from the Jack the Dreamer blog. This is written by, believe it or not, Paula, Jack the Dreamer. Wow. Who would have guessed? I know. At it's... least it wasn't written by Jack the Ripper. That's, that is. That's a good <laughs> good point. Uh, what living on a farm for a year taught me about financial independence and life. It seems, Paula, sticking with you, it taught Jack a lot living on a farm. Yeah. So one of the things that Jack uh, learned is patience because on a farm – Things don't grow because you want them to. They grow on their own schedule, and you have to adjust your own expectations to the natural order of things. Uh, and that was one thing that Jack, coming from New York City, was not familiar with. So working on a farm gave him that like visceral hands-on experience of what it's like to plant seeds now and like reap the results later. Len, have you ever lived on a farm, worked on a farm? No, I've been on a farm and they're quite amazing places. You know, one, one thing I thought was interesting too, that Jack discovered that eggs actually came from something called a chicken. <laughs> and, <laughs> and those hamburgers actually come from something that lives in a field. You know, he said he was arrogant before he went on the farm, you know, because he was from New York City. He, and, and to his credit, he called it the vortex that's New York City. And, and he thought he knew everything there needed to know about farming. But uh, the fact is, and I'll be honest, people always make fun of farmers and, and they, there's the stereotypical, you know, oh, you know, just a dumb farmer. And I'll tell you what, farmers are among the smartest people I know. I mean, they have to learn some incredibly complex things to make something grow, because let's face it, I think 99 percent of us, if we had to grow our own food, we would be in sorry, sorry shape. <laughs> I'd probably weigh 35 pounds less, Andy. 
mm-hmm. think I would be one of those people in sorry shape. Absolutely. No, but I, I liked his correlations of the uh, the farming and the financial independence. Big fan of uh, the diversification point that he put in there. If you only plant potatoes and then something happens to those potatoes, like the killer beetles. I don't I didn't know there was potato beetles. That was something I learned <laughs> new in this article. And if they kill off all your potatoes, man, you're in a you're in a tough spot. So diversify your potatoes. Oh, wait, no, diversify Things outside of potatoes. Diversify your stuff. Paula, do you have any good uh, lessons from Jack here? So he also says that you should continue to educate yourself. You know, he talks about how the family that he was staying with, they were constantly reading up on new farming techniques and staying at the forefront of that industry, which, you know, if you're not familiar with it, you might think like farming, what's new there? We've been doing that since the dawn of the agricultural age. But, you know, there are always improvements. There's always new stuff to learn in any field. And so in the way that farming is very old and yet you can still keep learning about it, you know, that's also true of finance. It's also true of any area of life. I thought it was just to get away from his farming analogy for a second, just the idea that sometimes having these bad jobs can give us some really good life lessons, right? I've gotten some of my best life lessons from the crappiest jobs that I've had. And I wondered, Len, what's a bad job that you had that maybe taught you a good life lesson? I'll be honest. You know what? I can't think of any bad jobs that I've had. I mean, every job I've had, I've learned something, you know, um, and probably the first one, I'll go back to when I was a box boy at a grocery store and I, and I learned working with the public is everybody is different and nobody, not everybody doesn't think like you and everybody handles situations differently. You know, I, I don't have any bad jobs. But a lot of, a lot of people would call that a bad job. Why? <laughs> I, I can't think of a bad job because you know what? There's something to learn from everything. You ever see, what's that Mike Rowe? I mean, my gosh, he, that guy did some dirty jobs. I saw him doing some things, but every job, there was something that he, you know, he could take away from and you could learn. There's experience in everything. And in the end, every job, there's a business component to every job as well that you can learn from. But I think that's the important point in this article. And I think, you know, I mean, I've, I've hired a lot of people over the years and I've had people go, oh, I'm not going to do that. Oh, I'm not going to get my hands dirty that way. And f- at first I think, yeah, I don't want to get my hands dirty that way either. But then second, I think you're missing out on all these opportunities to learn some stuff that you never knew about before, right? Of course. I mean, I mean, it's a big world out there and there's so much to learn and we'll, we'll never learn. We'll just scratch the surface of things if we stay in our little bubble. So, yeah, I think just get out there and do so. There's so many things to do and there's so many things to learn. And I don't care what the job is. There is a life experience in every job that you can take and use going forward in your life. Andy Hill's thinking I had a bad job once. I was a guest on this baloney podcast. <laughs> it's like the worst job ever. I like the analogy of learning something from bad jobs, but I had a really bad one when I was in, I think, in middle school. I was a a caddy at like an old school country club. And this is before they had like the nicer bags, you know, the like the lighter weight ones. These were like the ones with bricks in them that were made with like leather and it was horrible. And so you'd get paid like a waiter. You'd get paid like less than minimum wage. So I think I got like three bucks an hour, assuming that you'd get these monster tips from the, the rich country club people. But by the end of the round, the 80 or 90 year old couple would uh, drop a couple quarters in your hand and say, have a great day. So, yeah, that was that was pretty low paying. It's probably child labor laws may be broken there. But uh, yeah, I don't I'm not sure what I learned from that experience. No. You might have learned r- rich people are. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> but did you listen in on some of the, I'm sure some of these people had great business conversations that you could have listened in on. Yeah. When I was 12, I was just mostly thinking about how I could uh, use my quarters to buy some video games. That's pretty much all I was concerned with. Yeah. Yeah. Paula, I know you've had a bad job. Oh yeah. My very first job, I worked the drive through of a McDonald's and that was to this day, the hardest job I've ever had because you know, you've got to get every order out in, they want it to be 90 seconds or less theoretically. And what that means is you're simultaneously taking the order at the drive-thru while processing the payment of the car that's at the window, while also making the drinks and scooping the fries and assembling the bags and like, you know, handing the bag to the person at the window. So you're doing all of these different things all at the same time. And then if you ever want to just tie your shoelace or go to the bathroom, I mean, how are you going to do that? You can't just walk away to go to the bathroom whenever you feel like it. So lesson yeah. though, lesson? Well, McDonald's does a very good job of systematizing things, of developing processes. And I think many, many years later, in hindsight, I can look back and appreciate the fact that I was able to witness that. You know, what that about I was multitasking? That uh, clearly it taught you how to multitask. You know, I of the belief that you're more productive when you unitask than you are when you multitask. Fragmented attention often leads to, I think, worse results. Len has worn a unitask before. They don't look very good on him. <laughs> Boy, I'll say. I... <laughs> he throws on that unitask. It's horrible. It's not a good look. But that's still, to Len's point, though, Paula, there's times when you got to juggle things and you can't get frazzled. I mean, because when I worked at McDonald's, I'm, I'm with you that you're better off doing one thing. But when I'm expected to do four things at once, the biggest problem in that process was me panicking. And I couldn't panic because there was a bus of high schoolers that wasn't going to get their 90-second McDonald's treatment from me. Len, did you also work at McDonald's? I feel like I'm missing out here. Like, if I want to be a financial success, I think I would have had to have worked at McDonald's. I think that's what the lesson is. Today. No, I, you know what? I'll tell you my job. So when I was 12, I started my own little lawn business, and I, I, I think I had half the lawns in my neighborhood. There's a I lesson. Did all, I did everybody's lawn, and then from there, I went to I was a baseball uh, scorekeeper for Little League, where I actually got paid five dollars a game. Then I became a box boy at a grocery store, and then I became a checker. Did you get paid? Did you get paid five bucks to keep score, but twenty bucks by somebody else to change the score? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that, that would have been a better yeah, gig. Five bucks a game was good back then. Yeah, yeah. Andy is saying he got three. Would you three bucks a, an hour or something? Oh like yeah, that? it was bad. I think they expected us to get big tips, but yeah, it was it was no good. <laughs> but There's wasn't there Andy? Wasn't it? it seems like there must have been some customer service lesson at a young age there. You know, working with these these people and and knowing that the customer's always right, even though they're not going to tip you a lot, or being gracious uh, while you're. Yes, it, it definitely led me into a a fulfilling career of account and sales management, where I would uh, you know just have to be polite in situations that were not always in my favor. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I love lessons from from jobs, and I feel like a lot of the time we don't we we don't think about. When we have a bad day, there's a real lesson in this. Maybe the lesson is I don't want to have another day like today. But, uh, but, 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 Paula, your big takeaway from Jack the Farmer's piece? Uh, every time you say Jack the Farmer, I just think Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I guess the big takeaway is that there are lessons in every life experience. So no matter what you're doing at the moment and no matter what you're going through, look for the lessons within it. Len, 
eggs don't come from the refrigerator case. They come from something called a chicken. Might be the best. <laughs> and Andy? Oh, you're giving me the last one. I appreciate it. Like farming, I think financial independence takes patience and, as Paula said, education and a lot of discipline. You got to stay the course. Paula Pate, you ever try to sell stuff on Craigslist? Yes. Actually, just the other day, I posted a couple of white chairs on Craigslist. What if you had Craigslist, but it was a heck of a lot more fun and you could do it from an app? What would you think then? I would wonder how many people were looking at it. Well, and that's what I thought, too, when I first heard of OfferUp. So I went and I looked, and there's a lot of people in Texarkana. There's a lot of people in Texarkana that are using OfferUp. There are a bunch of people maybe where you are. And uh, as we do every week on this show, we don't endorse any of our FinTech Friday guests or new Gadget Friday guests. But it was neat enough that I really, really wanted to hear more about it. So let's learn about OfferUp together. Natalie Angelilo coming down to the basement. A spring cleaning time looking to declutter and maybe make a few bucks. Good news for you. On today's show, we're taking a look at OfferUp. And joining us from OfferUp is Natalie Angelillo. How are you? I am great. How are you? Well, I'm better now that you're here because this place is a dump, Natalie. We we <laughs> we gotta we gotta get rid of some of this old furniture and stuff in the basement. How did you guys come up with OfferUp? Was it a uh, opportunity in the marketplace? Was it a frustration one of your founders had? Tell me the origin story. Absolutely. Well, it was actually a little bit of all of those things. The company started from, you know, one of those very real places that I'm sure you and many of your listeners are familiar with, you know, a point of a major change in, in someone's life and, uh, you know, frustration over all of a sudden having to clear out a room. Our founder, Nick Huzar, was a new father, um, well, father-to-be. And, uh, you know, I think his wife made him go into the soon-to-be nursery at some point and said, we got we to gotta make some room. There's a baby coming. So he walked into the room and realized they had accumulated, I think, as we all have, so many things. And he needed to clear it out. So he had some frustration clearing it out and then decided, you know what, there's got to be a better way. How did you know, that, how did that yeah. translate to offer up? You know, Nick was a, he was a young father. He had been working in the tech space. He had a business partner who was also very tech oriented, our other co-founder, Arian, and both of them were in that same stage of life. They were super frustrated. They both used kind of the traditional, you know, channels for getting rid of stuff in those days, Craigslist and you know, I think with where smartphones and technology were heading, they could do so much on their phones at that moment, but they couldn't even clean out a room, you know? And so I think, I think that was really the genesis for it. They thought there's got to be a way, you know, I can just take a picture with my phone and, and get this stuff out of here. I was going to ask you, that was my next question. The difference between OfferUp and Craigslist, because people I'm sure have used Craigslist to, to dump something online. What's the difference? You know, the biggest difference I think is that... OfferUp has evolved with the technology and the time, and its focus is really on being the simplest and the most trusted place to sell. The Craigslist way of listing a bunch of things and having to go into your email and your desktop and then back again, and then the thing expires and, you know, kind of trying to figure out who's on the other end of that email. OfferUp is different in that you're right there on your phone, you take a picture, you write a quick description, and boom, the thing is live. 
And then even more importantly, in some cases, you can actually look at who is the person potentially buying that item. You've got profile, you've got seller ratings, you've got all kinds of ways to really make good decisions as both a buyer and a seller. Yeah, just the fact that it's, I was impressed by the fact that it's just phone based versus, like you said, having to go to my email, having to go to my machine, you know, whatever it might be, and yeah. the, the tons of pictures. So walk me through it. If I'm going to start listing stuff on OfferUp or if I'm going to look for stuff on OfferUp, what do I do? Well, so the first thing you do is you download the app. It's free, it's on either iOS or Android. Once you've signed up, you can instantly start browsing the newsfeed if you're shopping. Um, it's kind of got a scrolling visual feel to it, you know, right out of the gate, you're kind of looking like, Ooh, I like that chair. Ooh, I like that sign. You know, you're, it kind of, it really draws you in as a seller. You know, the first thing you want to do is, is what you would do in many cases. You want to take really good pictures. That's my first step is, you know, great pictures are always the key. And then you want to title it. You want to write a little description. You want to price it smartly. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's the right way to say that. But you want to, uh, you know, you want to be, uh, you want to be smart about what that might be worth to somebody else. I think it's three, four steps. And all of a sudden that thing is live and millions of people all very near you can instantly shop for something right from the app. Yeah. I was surprised because I hadn't heard of OfferUp yet. And I thought a little town like Texarkana, I'd see nothing. And holy cow, mm-hmm. I'm on the Texarkana page right now. And there's tons of people around me already using it. I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. So then I go, let's say that um, somebody has a riding tractor here, by the way, which yes. is, oh, excellent. Which is, which is very common in Texarkana. You need that, right? right we, now. we all got to have one of those. <laughs> so uh, there's this riding tractor. I go there to see the tractor. I like the tractor. I just pay them. How do you guys make money? So we are right now supported and funded by our investors. So making money with the product itself, it's not our primary focus at the moment. But obviously, there are some ads that we're experimenting with and a few other ways that we're trying to figure out you know, how to make money now that we've really spent our time focusing on building a great product that's valuable to millions of users. Got it. So right now you're building the user base. Exactly. Yeah, cool. And then and then people are uh, that doesn't actually apply. Never mind. I was going to say people <laughs> well, I was going to say people are worried about privacy, but not when I'm selling stuff because that's a lot of our fintech apps people really worry. Well, you got my banking info, but you don't have any of that stuff, right? No. No, exactly. And in fact, what's really interesting is that, you know, you it's important to you for, to put your best foot forward as a seller, right? Well, as a buyer too. So uploading a picture, um, you can put what, you know, a background to kind of show like local pride or wherever you're from, or maybe if you're a particular type of seller, you know, like let's say you sell clothing, you might want a picture of your little boutique or something like that. And then as you interact with people, they're able to give you ratings. And so those ratings actually show up on your profile and give people a sense of kind of who you are. Got it. How easy you are to work with as a seller or as a buyer. Yeah, cool. Two things. You gave us one thing, which is having a nice background. Are there any best practices that you see, Natalie, that your power users have developed, some things you can share with people to get off on the right foot? Absolutely. Um, I think the first thing to do is to sign up with our True You program. Um, It's a kind of innovative way for you to verify you know, who you are and to confirm to that person looking to buy that you're a, you're a trusted person to communicate and to buy from. And then again, it's sort of doing all of the common sense things to put yourself and your item forward in the best light. So take great pictures, write clear descriptions, 
this is going to be a really simple and obvious one, but, you know, be nice, um, <laughs> be polite <laughs> when you're interacting with people in the messaging chat itself. The thing is that there is so much volume. There are so many, like you said, you couldn't believe in Texarkana how many people were selling things. So, you know, consider it a competitive environment and put your best foot forward. Nice. And then I would be remiss just because it's the Stacking Benjamin show. And these are the type of hard hitting questions we ask, Natalie. <laughs> what, what is the weirdest thing you've seen somebody selling? <laughs> there are actually quite a few weird things I've seen people selling. Actually, one hilarious thing that was for sale not long ago, there was someone sharing a car that looked exactly like, you know, the, um, the Flintstones. Oh, awesome. <laughs> there was literally an exact replica of an old, like Flintstones life-size <laughs> car running around. It was pretty hilarious. Does that mean it came with uh, brakes that look like feet? It literally had holes in the bottom <laughs> you put your feet through. <laughs> you just picture Barney running around, you know. That's throwing his feet down to stop. So awesome. Uh, I, yeah. need, I need to get one of those. Uh, uh, the, <laughs> yes, site, exactly. the site is offerup.com and you said you can get it on Google Play and the App Store. Yep. Awesome. And I know that you're not sitting still at OfferUp. Is anything coming up soon? Any changes coming up soon that you can tell us about ahead of time? Because, you know, nobody listened to the show, so your secret's safe here. <laughs> right. Perfect. Um, yeah, I won't. Don't tell anyone. We have tons of things that we're working on, many of which are are about to re-release soon. Um, we've got some really exciting things that just released, um, like I said, to the profile, um, which gives people a lot of new cool things to do. I would say that one of the places that people can go to learn about things that are coming out next are in our community. So if you join the app um, and on your profile, there's an opportunity to join, there's a link to join the community. And there's tons of not only great seller and buyer tips, but oftentimes advance notice of new features and and things like that coming down the pike. So we'd love to have you. Awesome. Yeah, I was just thinking, joining the community, you'll get a lot of best practices there, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a terrific spot. Some of our top sellers are in there giving advice all the time, so it's great. Awesome. Natalie, thanks for taking us on a quick tour of OfferUp.com. Thank you so much for having us. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And when I said it was hot down here earlier, I mean, it is boiling. How hot is it? Lance Armstrong just tested positive for Snapple. How hot is it? The next book should be called Fifty Shades of Red. How hot is it? OG's oh, wearing a sign that says, We'll work for shade. <laughs> How hot is it? No shirt, no pants, no problem. But that's not all. It's so hot. How about today's scorching trivia question? You may know that the first exchange-traded fund, or ETF, was created to track the S&P 500 by State Street Global Advisors and trades under ticker symbol SPDR. Most people call it a spider. What year was it created? I'll be back with the answer and maybe some deodorant for Joe. Woo! Just a sec. I can't even speak, Joe. Man, you stink. Stacking Benjamins is supported by Harry's. Oh my goodness. When I opened up my Harry's box, how many times, how many people have I told this story to? And I tell this story nonstop. First of all, and I know the packaging has nothing to do with a close shave, but how great is the Harry's packaging experience? And then that shaving cream, 
unbelievable. And by the way, the Razer, especially, so I like the Razer that I got in my trial set. I like better the Winston Razer that I upgraded to. I don't know if it's the heavier handle. The first handle is really heavy, and I like that. The second one is uh, even heavier. Uh, just gives me this nice clean shave. I like the fact that there's five blades. I also, and maybe this has a lot to do with the shave, maybe it doesn't. I just like the fact that the guys that made it are passionate about razors, right? I mean, I don't know if you know the story. They were fed up with overpaying for expensive razors that had all these nifty features that they didn't need. And they knew that a great shave came down to great blades, like these sharp, durable steel blades that last. So they bought a factory that makes some of the highest quality blades in the world for over 95 years. And they sell them directly over the internet so they can offer them at a price way lower than the price at a drugstore. Plus, they have a quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let Harry's know within 30 days and they'll give you a full refund. So here's the deal. You get this $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave like the weighted ergonomic handle. Talked about that earlier. Love that. The five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. This shave gel that's unbelievable. The travel blade cover. That's all in the trial set so you can decide if you like it or not. Listeners to Stacking Benjamins, you can redeem your trial set at harrys.com slash SB. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash SB to redeem your offer and let them know that we sent you, as mom said, to help support the show. This episode of Stacking Benjamins is brought to you by Magnify Money. Let's do what we do every week, guys. Let's head over to Magnify Money and find out what's happened with interest rates because it's super easy. We head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Can you hear me typing? And it immediately pulls up. Compare the best offers for. I hover over uh, balance transfers. No. Cash back rewards. No. Zero percent interest credit cards. No. Low interest credit cards. No. Secure credit cards. No. Checking accounts. Yes. Savings accounts. That's what I want to look at. And I click get personalized offers and immediately we're at 2% still for Poplar Direct. But if you remember from last week, one thing that I love about Magnify Money is the fact that I can see that their fine print score is very low at Popular Direct. They give it an F and say it's way too complex. Now, the good news is you can deposit as little as you want, only one penny. And if you're not getting any interest right now, which is the case for a lot of people, if they've got money sitting in a 0% account, they're going to make $220 more than they made last year. Uh, but Salem 5 Direct looking much better at uh, 1.85% or even Dollar Savings Direct, which is 1.80 and gets an A on their transparency score. See how easy that was? All this stuff, super easy. You can compare, ditch, switch, and save at Magnify Money. Use stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money to tell them that we sent you. So, Andy, welcome to our trivia challenge. The score right now, by the way, is OG1, Len1, Paula0, which is yeah, funny well, because... I really screwed Paula over when I won, didn't I? <laughs> so, it wasn't fair. Now, <laughs> as... The game's a game. <laughs> so, so, Andy, uh, to give you the rules, we play this Price is Right style. The winner is the closest without being over. 
And uh, you have the choice because you're the guest on the show. Do you want to go first in the middle or last with your guest? Okay. All right. That means Len's going first. So Len, so Paula can get back at you. Uh, Len, uh, Doug's question, what year was the spider, the first ETF created by State Street Global Advisors? Oh, my Lord. (laughs) I have no, I'm going to sound stupid on this because I really have no freaking clue. Uh, let's try 19, 19, oh, 1920, 1995. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 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 that escalated in a hurry. <laughs> 1995, Paula Pant, State Street right. Global Advisors, The Spider. The spider. I'm going to guess the ETFs were probably invented in the 80s, but let's see, closest without going over. So I should err on the side of a little bit under. So I'm going to say 1978. You said 10 BC. <laughs> 1978. Andy, it's your big moment, man. No clue. I'm going to go with uh, 1986. 1986. Kind of like in the middle-ish. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm tempted to go for like an 82, 82 through 85. A lot of good I, things I happened in 82. A little bit under, yeah. Hey, 80s were awesome. Awesome <laughs> decade. All right, Doug, let's, let's hear. When was it? Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And did I mention it's hot down here in the basement? Yeah. How hot is it? I just saw two trees fighting over a dog. How hot is it? North Korea just test launched a long range popsicle. How hot is it? Even the nudists next door are inside. How hot is it? Cows around Texarkana are given evaporated milk. Man, it's hot. So here's today's hot trivia. What year was the first exchange traded fund, the Spider, created? If you said that State Street Global Advisors would make their S&P 500 stock index tracker, the Spider, in 1993, you're sizzling hot yourself. Speaking of sizzler, there's a cold, foamy beverage waiting for me there. See ya. Len, you're two years too late. It's the story of my life. (laughs) Andy, congratulations. You're the big winner. How do you feel? I feel pretty good. I mean, it was mostly just like a a play sort of in the middle between Len and Paula. So I don't really want to take too much credit. But uh, yeah, I feel really good about myself right now. I guess. <laughs> well, the good Tell news is wins, Joe. you're getting 20% more than we were going to pay you. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. It's a great day here. As if that's not Zero the times. What is what? Yeah. As if it's oh, not the yeah. oh, I see. 97th time we've used that joke. Sadly, every guest that comes on. Yeah, what do you win? Uh, anyway, hey, oh, 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 looks like somebody needs help, guys. All three of those O's sponsored by Bloom. Smart, simple 401k management. I just love Lane coming in over the top with that. 401ks can be ugly if you're choosing your own funds. If you don't know what you're doing and you're not smart enough to listen to brilliant podcasts like maybe afford anything or marriage, kids and money, and you're stuck only listening to this show, 
<laughs> Bloom's pricing is $10 a month, regardless of the account size. They link to your existing 401k, so you don't have to move your money. They're completely independent. And that means you're getting unbiased expert investment advice. Bloom researches, invests, manages, monitors, and grows your 401k while you relax. And they get you in the right mix of funds to meet your retirement goals. So think of them as a robo for your 401k. Bloom is so simple. In fact, the hardest part about this is remembering there's three O's in Bloom. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SB. <laughs> Bloom. Bloom. There you go. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash Bloom and enter promo code the SB. SB for your first month free and see the difference. I didn't Bloom. Know it was going to be a test today, Joe. Oh, boy. The pressure was on and. You failed, but that's okay. But let's uh, give a little bit of help here, guys, to our new friend, Rod. Say hi, Rod. The stacking, stacking what now? I thought I had Dave Ramsey. Oh, well, I guess I'll let you guys give this a shot. Currently investing in my 401k, a Roth IRA, and a standard brokerage account. Uh, The purpose of the brokerage account is to save enough money to buy a retirement condo in either San Diego, which is my first choice, or Las Vegas, my second choice when I retire. Based on standard stock market returns, I should have enough money in the account to purchase a condo outright in Las Vegas within three to five years. But I would still need several more years of investing in that account if I wanted uh, to purchase in San Diego due to the higher property costs, property taxes, and HOA fees. So my question to you is what should I do when I have enough money to actually buy a condo in Las Vegas. I am currently 51 years old, and I plan on retiring when I am 62. On one end of the spectrum, I think I could just buy the condo in Las Vegas outright and rent it out until I plan to retire. And on the other end of the spectrum, I could keep investing in the brokerage account until I have enough for San Diego or until I retire, whichever comes first. And obviously, I'm sure you guys can come up with a whole bunch of uh, answers in between those two things. But anyway, any uh, help you can give will be appreciated. Thank you very much. All right. How about that question? Len, let's start with you. What do you think? Uh, Save the money in the brokerage for uh, San Diego or buy the condo in Vegas now? Or something in between. (laughs) So, right? Right. So I think when he gets the money for – if he gets enough money for the Vegas condo, he can also – another option because you want to go to San Diego – Buy the condo in San Diego and just have a smaller, uh, you know, take a small mortgage out. That's another option. Why settle for less? So go into debt and buy the one in San Diego if that's the one he really wants? Sure. Why not? Andy, why not? Well, I did think about that too, Len, but at the beginning of the call, he did think he was calling into the Dave Ramsey show. So I'm assuming this guy is a pay for it and all cash kind of guy. So uh, I don't know if I don't know if we could sell him on that. But my question to him is, would he want to be? I don't know where Ron was from, but would he want to be an out of state landlord and you know dedicate his time to uh, management and upkeep? And um, I, I would love to hear Paula's reaction to this because I know that's what she does as well. <laughs> I would start by asking him, where does he actually want to live? Because listening to to his question, I wasn't sure, uh, or at least it wasn't clear to me if he has a strong preference between San Diego versus Las Vegas. So I would start with the question, which of those two cities do you actually want to live in? Which of those two cities do you actually want that condo to be in? And only by 
in the city that you want to be in. Now, if it turns out that Las Vegas is the place that you actually want to be, then once you have enough money to buy a condo there, sure, get a condo there, pay cash for it, get a property manager, rent it out. Understand that you probably will not be able to use it as an Airbnb or a VRBO. You probably won't be able to use it as a short-term rental because Las Vegas has very strict rules about that. But you could rent it out on a 12-month lease, a traditional normal lease with a property manager in place. And because it's a condo, you'll have far fewer upkeep demands. You know, you don't have any exterior maintenance. The HOA is going to take care of all of the hallways and the lobby. So uh, particularly if it's a newer construction condo, the maintenance will be extremely minimal. So if you want to live in Vegas, pay cash for a condo in Vegas. If you would prefer to live in San Diego, I would keep that money in the brokerage account and allow it to continue making gains until you have enough money to buy buy a condo in San Diego outright. You wouldn't buy it sooner with a mortgage like Len suggests? No, I wouldn't. Why expose yourself to debt if you don't have to? He's got time on his side. So leave the money in the brokerage account. Let it continue to earn some money. But let's talk about that. But see, debt is cheap right now, right? So it all depends on the price of debt, and the price of money is cheap. And if you've got as much savings as it sounds like he, he's he got his act together and he's got a lot of money, if you have the money to cover that debt, it doesn't really – the risk is low. And so you know you have to kind of weigh that too. Not all debt is bad. There is well, good debt out there. Well, I actually look yeah, at – Yeah, but in a brokerage account, he could get what? Maybe we'll say 8% long-term annualized returns. Yeah, sure, he could also lose it. Th- he could lo- there's a risk in everything, right? So – you're making a big assumption, right? Well, over so, over a long-term historic average, we can say that he'll get about 8%. In fact, if we want to go conservative, we can say 7%. Yeah, but remember, so, he's retired. He's 50-some years old now. So I know you're you're young, Paula. you got a lot of years ahead of you. Us <laughs> old people, we don't have those timelines. So right, but gotta, he's, got a, gotta, he's got about 10 years at least before he needs to – he wants to buy this condo and move into it. So he has at least a 10-year time horizon for keeping this money in the market. Yeah. Depends, you know, hey, there's no right answer. It's it's all a gamble. You just cut all over you just have to weigh everything and see what you want to do. I was wondering Paul, if- I have a question about the the homeowners association in Vegas. Are they always down with uh rental situations when it's a part of a, a condo through a homeowners mm-hmm. association? Uh, that depends on the building. So mm-hmm. it's it's building by building, but there are a lot of buildings here that are very friendly towards renting out a unit on a traditional 12-month lease. Short-term rentals are a completely different topic. So a short-term rental, the city of Las Vegas defines a short-term rental as anything that is 30 or fewer days. Uh, So as long as you're renting something out at at a pace of 31 days or more, then it's not a short-term rental. Um, And then at that point, there's no city restrictions against it. So it's all about the HOA. But in Vegas, a lot of people have Vegas condos as second homes, so a lot of HOAs are pretty friendly towards renting it out. Hmm. I'm wondering if we do some of this math, if we look at uh, putting money in the brokerage account for that time frame, you know, to Paula's point, maybe you'd use equities because of the amount of time that there is. But it seems like to be conservative, you'd go more conservative than equities, which means that buying that, you know, to Len's point, buying that uh, property sooner you'd you'd get the higher that you get the higher return that the average real estate investment gets that's being rented out. So I'm not sure there. I mean, and part of that is his propensity for risk, right? Clearly, Paula's is a more conservative approach is the more Dave Ramsey approach to Andy's point. but the but but the big thing that I didn't hear, and the only the the big point that I was going to make, but once again, damn it, Paula, you made it first, was. <laughs> 
was I think I think the big question is where do you want to be? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. don't compare the two places. They're so dissimilar. Decide where you want to be. And what we would do in my office when I was a financial planner, if you really told me you couldn't tell that you didn't know which was which, you know what we'd do? We'd flip a coin. <laughs> and what was funny was I would flip the coin and I would hold it under my hand and I'd ask them, which one do you want it to be? And they always, while the coin was in the air, came up with their answer. I never once had to show somebody the actual coin because in their heart, there is one or the other that they really want to do. And I think that's good. You're like Harvey Dent from Batman. (laughs) I'm not like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put a gun to their head. Like afterwards, not going to do that. Right. My version of the coin flip is, is similar to that, except uh, show the person how the coin ends up, whether it's heads or tails, and then allow them to, to register whether or not they feel disappointed. That's funny. We did that. Well, that's a whole different story. I agree with that. Thanks for the question, Ron. If you've got a question for the show, head to stackybedjamins.com and on the top of the page, you'll see questions for the show. Click that link. It'll show you all the ways that you can interface with us here at Stacky Benjamins. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. Let's uh, start with Mr. Penzo. What do you got going there at the crazily titled lenpenzo.com? Oh, I don't, I don't know, Joe, what you I've got. Don't you know, know. The, the, my friend Anna Mune, you know, she did a nice article just uh, recently here on ways to see Disneyland and Disney World on a budget. So you can come on over to see that. And if you want, like I said, always come over on Saturdays. We have our uh, black coffee discussion. Lots of doom and gloom over on my side. So <laughs> come on every Saturday. But Good it's doom and gloom. It's doom and gloom the fun way. It is. It, actually, it is the fun You way. should call it doom, fun, and gloom. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that. Yeah, you don't have to quote me. You can take that one. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, that's at lenpenzo.com. Paula, what's happening at Afford Anything? At the Afford Anything podcast, we've got every other episode is uh, one in which I answer questions that come in from the community. And occasionally, a certain Joe Saul Cihai joins me on that one. Who? So uh, you can check that out. That's every other episode. In terms of the episodes in between when we interview people, I have an interview with Laura Adams from the Money Girl podcast. We also have an interview with Dr. Brad Klontz, a financial psychologist who talks about the scripts that we've learned about money as children and how those affect us as grownups. Awesome. And that's it. Afford anything. Hey, yes, the Andy, Afford anything podcast. thanks a ton, Andy, for joining us today. I'm happy to be here again. Thanks so much for having me. It was so fun hearing that you were a caddy. And no, I promise that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't me. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, marriage and people don't even know what the heck we're talking about there, but, uh, marriage, kids and money, the podcast. I love what you do there. I mean, I'm looking at some of these names. Jamila Safran is just awesome. And talking about saving $85,000 a year, you know, who can't do that, Andy, come on. Anybody, right? Anybody. That's right. And our friend, Bill <laughs> Dwight from FAMZU, you had him on talking about raising financially savvy kids. That's a great, great episode. Tell us what's coming up on marriage, kids and money. Yeah, I've got some uh, great guests, as you mentioned, as well as um, you know um, a, a guy that you're familiar with. His name's Joe Salcihi. We just had him on the show this week. I think Paul and I are, are I think we're fans, Joe. I think that's what we're, we're trying to tell you. But uh, next week, I've got uh, John from ESI Money. He's going to talk to us about how he's really uh, personified the millionaire next door. And we're really going to dive into that and learn more about his story. And then after that, we've got uh, Liz from uh, Chief Mom Officer, who's going to tell us how she became a millionaire, uh, getting a six-figure salary on a single income. Uh, So we're really excited about having those guests on. And then uh, 
crafting some fun articles as well each week. That's awesome. And we'll have a link to Marriage, Kids, and Money on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. Doug, what shall we have learned, man? If you managed to pay attention, you might have learned a few things. First, feeling stuck? Go visit a farm. Or if you live on a farm, go visit the city. Whatever. Inspiration often means finding the other point of view and learning that someone might think or act differently because they've got different surroundings. Second, looking to make a few extra bucks this summer? Use a service like OfferUp to clean out that garage. Not only will you have deeper pockets of money, but you'll also have less clutter in your life in general. But the big lesson? Don't ask how hot it is unless you're willing to hear the answer. How hot is it, you ask? Oh, I'll tell you. It's so hot that I used my seatbelt earlier in the El Camino as a branding iron on myself. How hot is it, you wonder? Joe's mom's eating hot peppers to cool her mouth off. How hot is it? I just realized the asphalt up Joe's mom's street has a liquid state. How hot is it? You don't have to go to KFC to get fried chicken. Just put it on the hood of your car. Special thanks to Andy Hill for joining us today. You'll find Andy's podcast, Marriage, Kids, and Money, wherever you're listening to this show. Paula Pant appears courtesy of AffordAnything.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I swear the worst part about coming over to Joe's mom's house is having to put on pants. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. The people responsible for this show have been sacked. So did you work behind the grill at McDonald's? I did work behind the grill at McDonald's, yes. Okay, so my buddy worked at McDonald's. He said this was many years ago, so I don't know if this, they've changed this. He said the most challenging thing for any grill master at McDonald's was to do the 12-turn, 6-turn. Yes. Do you know what that means? Yeah. You, I have no idea what that means. You'd have 12 burgers on your spatula at one – you had this big old spatula and you'd turn 12 at a time, right? I don't know. I, I, I oh. don't know. He just, he always would say, Hey, that was the most challenging thing at McDonald's. The 12 turn six turn. He called it. it was the f- I can imagine that would be the uh, precursor to 12 patties falling on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was funny. It still served to you. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> That's the part where they cut we the video. Yes, right, right. Are they a show sponsor? Yes. Are they, uh, not not yeah. <laughs> they were till that. No, um, that was the first time I worked the drive through for the first time one time. The person that was supposed to work didn't show up that day. So they put me on the drive through and it was that two window system. So my job was to just key in the order and talk to the people at the uh, drive through. And that was the first time ever people told me that I had a decent voice. Like people, people would come to the window, <laughs> people would come to the window and they'd say, the woman who's here every other morning, I can't understand her. And I understand you just perfectly. Like, that, uh, so that was the beginning of your radio voice, which was the beginning of this podcast. That was it. That was it. Wow. I started, maybe we're getting McDonald's back. Oh yeah, this is an origin story. <laughs> The two window system makes so much more sense because consolidating all of that work into one window and having someone take somebody else's order while they're processing, while they're handling the payment from someone else, it's just, it's way too split. Did I tell you, I got discombobulated one time. We had these two women show up in bikinis and uh, they were flirting with me and I'm this 16 year old Uber nerd and I hand them their food forgetting that I haven't charged them yet. And they wink at me and they drive off. And only, <laughs> only after they drove off, I went, Oh my God. And I had to go to my manager and go, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that wasn't good. It was a bad day. Yeah. But it was funny. I worked there three separate summers and my first summer I panicked whenever something, you know, would become a rush. The second year, I panicked when there was a rush. Then I went to college, and one year, I just needed a job for like a month. So I'm like, okay, I'll go back to McDonald's. And I went back, and I remember there was some rush, and people are panicking all over the place. And I'm like, what's the big – this is McDonald's, people. Who cares? Like, like if, if, if the burger shows up in two minutes versus 90 seconds, number one, nobody's getting fired. And number two, nobody's going to starve. Nobody's going to starve. We're going to be okay. I'll tell you something I learned when I worked at the grocery store. When three guys come in with stockings on their faces and sawed-off shotguns and they tell you to get on the floor, you get No way. Did that really happen? Yeah, that really happened. Yes, wow. it did. What? Yes, it did. You got to tell yeah. that story. Yeah. Well, I was – this was – I don't know what day it was. It was really busy at our grocery store. This is a big grocery store. And this car backs up to the front of the uh, the opening, the, the glass windows, the double glass doors. And three guys get out. They got the, just like in the movies, the pantyhose over their face. And they've got sawed-off shotguns. And they tell everybody to get on the floor because it's a robbery. And all seven check stands were, were going. And they went right down the line. Well, I was at check stand number one. And I at first I thought it was a joke. I mean, I couldn't process what the heck was going on. The guy, I couldn't move. I didn't. I was like one of the few people that didn't get on the floor. I was a box boy at the time. I just stood there, and the guy comes right up to me and threw me on the ground because I didn't pay attention, listen to his instruction, and he held the gun to my head while the other oh. two guys finished cleaning off the check stands. What were you? I, I kid you not. What were you they, thinking? They took off, and guess what does my manager say? Because I'm the box, I'm one of the box boys. But he told me, he goes, "Get out there and get the license number of that car." As the car's peeling away, you know, he's making me get up and and go get the license number of the car. Better you than him, huh? Yeah, but here's the here's the thing. It turned out these guys were wanted for murder. They had actually oh killed my. people. And guess what? My dad was on duty. He's a police officer. My dad was on duty that day, and him and his buddy caught the guys down the road. Wow. What? Yeah. I, I kid you not. Yep. I kid you not. What was going through yep. your head while he had the gun to your head? I mean, I was thinking about, well, this was a short life. 
I was thinking, what's it going to feel like when he pulls that trigger? That's what I was thinking about. Besides everything else, like your life going past your, I mean, a lot goes through your mind in that short time period. But yeah, the, the predominant thought was, boy, I hope this doesn't hurt when he pulls the trigger. <laughs> I hope this doesn't hurt. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, what can you say? You're a 16 year old kid. So you were thinking this is going to ruin my future career on the Stacky Benjamin yeah, show. If, I wrote about I wrote about it on uh, if you just Google Len Penzo robbery, you'll uh, you can read my story. It, I blogged about it many years ago. I was going to say that'd be a good post to read. Yeah. Yep. Actually, Dan, that was my first that, that was my set. You know, I, I was in two armed robberies, if you can believe that. So I talked about both of them. So Penzo robbery. I'm pulling this up right now. When I <laughs> don't worry, I'm a unit asker, so I'll wait until after this recording. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when I when I when I lived in Detroit, I had uh, for Andy's bad job. He'll appreciate this as a caddy. I always went to cheap golf courses, you know, and I'm a guy that golfs twice a year if I need to or not. And usually I'm in some big group and you just park your car and you go over to the, you, you know, you, you wheel your own bag in or carry your own bag in stuff. So this guy invites me to go to the Detroit country club, the Detroit golf club. And that's, uh, where, I, that's where I caddied. <laughs> and we, we pull up right in front of it and I go to get out, not knowing that we're going to pull our car around later. And my buddy opens up his trunk and he just kind of sits there. So I open up the door. I get out. This kid walks over to the trunk and takes our bags and starts walking off with them. And I'm, I start screaming at him. Those are our bags. What do you do with our bags? I had no idea that was our caddy. And then, and then, and then I got paired with him the rest of the day. Like we had four caddies and I was paired with that guy. And I remember what year, what year was this? Was this me? It was <laughs> the look that he gave me when we show up on the first tee. And this is this is the funny thing. So you're on the first tee. And for those people that don't golf, that's the one place where there's usually a bunch of people standing around. Right. And I'm a guy who golfs twice a year. If that I'm horrible at golf. I step up on the first tee. I'm nervous as hell. All these people dressed to the nines, dressed for golf. I'm barely dressed for golf. I swing my club backward and then I whack the ball and it goes beautifully down the center of the fairway, this gorgeous shot, right? And my heart's beating a thousand miles an hour. So we walk down the course and we get to my ball and the caddy turns to me and he goes, well, the wind, sir, looks like it's out of the north and it's uh, something. And I think you should use your seven iron here. And I look at him and I start laughing. <laughs> Just hand me a club. It's not going to matter. Like, What are you talking about? The winds out of the north and the green sloping left to right. And, and I had so many shots where I went to swing at the ball and I whiffed and I looked behind me and my caddy's trying not to laugh his head off. <laughs> that's that's a that's a bad day he's like yeah you accused me of stealing clubs and maybe i should have stolen your clubs and thrown them in the river you know <laughs> that's funny because when i golfed the one time i had a caddy after a few holes the caddy stopped giving me wind directions he started saying there's a gopher hole 20 yards in front of you to the left there's a mound over <laughs> the grass is four inches high over here <laughs> <laughs> for your worm burger shot or the, or the course is back that way, sir. <laughs> I'm not your caddy. I'm a guy at the store down the street where your ball landed. Right. No. Well, you know what your problem was, was, was that, uh, that, that unit thing you were wearing. 
was yeah, that, was kind of hink one. Yeah, it hurts your swing. Your your unitask. It's horrible. <laughs> Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.